Do the Cowboys have a miracle run in them to end the season? I'm Matt Jordan. Welcome on in to the Pokes Podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. And Oklahoma State finally picked up their second win in Big 12 play. Just one game removed from their first win in Big 12 play, beating West Virginia back on the 27th of January, losing to Kansas before beating K-State at home 75-72 to on Saturday. They did fall to Houston. They have eight games left on their season. They are currently 2-8 and eight in Big 12 play, 10-13 and 13 on the season, and... With OU on the road, and then BYU at home, and Cincy at Cincy, OU coming to home, UCF at home, Texas on the road, and Texas Tech at home, and then BYU on the road left in their schedule. I think they can drop one or two more games and win the rest, and they would have a shot at making the tournament, especially if they're able to pick up a win or two in their tournament, Big 12 tournament play. So OU on the road is is not an easy game. That is a losable game. BYU at home, Cincy on the road, OU at home, UCF at home, Texas on the road, while not an easy matchup, Texas has also struggled this year. They're currently just 4-6 and six in Big 12 play. And then Tech at home, certainly a game you could lose, but a game you you could certainly win. Tech has dropped a bit. They have lost four Big 12 games and BYU on the on the road. BYU currently right now is 4 and 5 in Big 12 play. So they have lost five games. You'll see them twice. We'll see how they stack up come that game at home before ending the season with them on the road. OU also five losses in the Big 12. They are 5 and 5. So Certainly there is a scenario, and I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it until we really just start to drop a few, where they do win out or they do go 6-2 and two down the stretch, which would put them at 8-10 and 10 in Big 12 play and would also put them at 16-15 and 15 overall which puts them in a similar situation to where they were in last year where they were just barely over 500. They were 8 and 10 in Big 12 play and they missed the tournament. Now the Big 12 arguably better than it was last year and that's saying a lot because last year's Big 12 was also very good, but when you add in uh, teams like Houston and BYU and UCF and Cincinnati, the conference is going to get tougher. So there is certainly a scenario where 8 and 10 gets you in to the tournament, especially if you win a couple of games in the Big 12 tournament. It gets you in the NCAA tournament if you win a couple of games in the Big 12 tournament. Are there six winnable games in the final eight? I think there are. BYU at home is winnable. Cincy on the road is winnable. OU at home, winnable. UCF at home, winnable. At Texas, with the way they play and kind of up and down, certainly winnable. Texas Tech at home, winnable. BYU on the road, winnable. That's seven games right there. And because it's it's Bedlam and because you've dominated that series over the last uh, few years, OU, even in Norman, is winnable. There are eight winnable games on this schedule 
when you look at who they have left, UCF is 4-5 and five in Big 12 play. Texas is 4-6 and six in Big 12 play. BYU is 4-5. and five. Cincy is 4-5. and five. OU is 5-5. Five and five. Texas has fallen off to 5-4. and four. So these are teams that have struggled a little bit in Big 12 play, again, because the Big 12 is so good, but they're susceptible to losses. I mean, no team in the Big 12 is just above and beyond hot outside of maybe Houston. Uh, Kansas has dropped uh, four Big 12 games, including just losing to K-State, who lost to Oklahoma State. So anyone can beat anyone any given night when it comes to Big 12 play. So there are certainly six winnable games. There are eight winnable games on this schedule. Do I think they go eight? No, no. Could they win six of these games? I do think they can. I do believe that Oklahoma State can win six of these games. I'm just not sure that's enough. I think they have to win all eight with how bad their out-of-conference schedule again. Very similar to a place they were at last year. Their out-of-conference schedule was bad. It was bad. They did not play well at all out of conference. Way too many losses despite ending the out of conference play with five straight wins. Losses to St. Bonaventure and losses to Abilene Christian and losses to Creighton and Southern Illinois just aren't going to cut it. Those are games you need to win. Creighton would have been a great resume builder, uh, but those are games that you you need to win. You cannot lose to teams like Southern Illinois, to St. Bonaventure, to Abilene Christian, and then not play well in conference and still get into the tournament without going on a run in your own conference tournament. So the Cowboys, while I certainly think have a chance to win six of their last eight games, I think because they're only that would only put them one game above 500 and two games below 500 in what is the best conference in college basketball in the Big 12, going eight and ten in Big 12 play. It's not enough. It, it, it won't be enough. They'll get into the NIT again. But I do not believe that they will make the tournament. I think they're going to have to win out. And that, just from what I've seen from this team, does not seem likely. They have way too many blowout losses as well when, you, when you're trying to look at resume builders. Close losses don't look terrible, but you've been blown out far too many times. Uh, almost 30-point loss. Uh, multiple times this season or, or sub above 20 point losses multiple times this season and then getting beat by uh, a Houston team by 16 which is actually your closest game against one of the better teams in the conference any of those teams in the top eight I do think many teams in the Big 12 get in so if you're able to improve the standings a little bit and are able to sneak into the top eight of the 14 I, th- I think that eight teams in the Big 12 do make the tournament so we'll see how how that plays out with the Cowboys where right now they are last they are dead last they are 14th but it is a jumbled up mess when you look at teams 5 through 5 through 12 they're all right there within like a game or two of each other TCU currently sits at 5 they are 5 and 4 Tech is 5 and 4 OU K State both 5 and 5 and Cincy BYU UCF are all 4 and 5 and Texas is 4 and 6 so 
all those teams right there within one win or one loss of shuffling around, moving up. I mean, if if TCU and Texas Tech were to both lose and BYU was to win or UCF was to win, you could see them jump up to five. So it, it's, it's not going to be difficult if you do go on a run to end the season. And they did that last year. They went on a run and they won six games in a row, but then they fell off and lost six games. So you can't do that. So now you do the reverse of what you did last year. Well, last year you were good, then you struggled at the end of the season. You struggled for most of the season. Now be good, go on this run, and see if you can't get yourself a bid to the tournament. But if you fall to OU and then you lose to BYU at home or lose to Cincinnati on the road or lose to OU at home, any of these games that I think they should win if they are to drop and they start to drop more than one or two, uh, it won't be the t- national tournament. It won't be the NIT. It probably won't be the CBI, the, the ACT, the SAT, whatever three letters you want to throw out there. They won't be making it. They'll be sitting at home in the postseason. Uh, because while I also think they could win all of these games, the Oklahoma State team I've seen play this year also loses all eight of these games. So, which Oklahoma State team shows up? Is it the team that won five out-of-conference games to end the non-con schedule? Is it the team that beat Kansas State by three on Saturday? Is it the team that beat West Virginia by four the Saturday before? Or is it the team that gets blown out by 30 to Kansas or 27 to Texas Tech? Is that the team we're going to see down the stretch or can they make a run and it starts in Norman against OU for Bedlam one of the few times uh, the second to last time you will play this team at least when it comes to in conference Bedlam games you have the one on the road in Norman coming up this weekend and then you have the one at home coming up later this month Uh, that will be the, the last two times you play them for Bedlam in conference. Basketball, obviously, much more likely to see them out of conference than you are in, say, football with you know different early season tournaments and then playing in the postseason and all that. Uh, while it's much more likely you'll, you'll see basketball definitely is a much more, more likely situation there. So Oklahoma State, a, a lot rides on what happens this weekend in Norman see where they go from there, but if they lose that game, it's not the end of the world. They just makes it a lot more difficult for them, and they've already dug themselves such a deep hole, but if Mike Boynton wants to save his job, and this team wants to, you know, not embarrass itself by finishing last in this new Big 12, where football looks really good, they're, they're, they're high, they're riding high, and basketball right now, just not doing that, uh, doing that for the university, which isn't good because it's a it's a power struggle right now with with everyone uh, coming and going in these uh, conference realignments. You're losing OU in Texas, and you're getting some pretty good programs coming in. So we'll we'll see how things shake out for basketball. Uh, softball starts this weekend for Oklahoma State as their first games gets underway on Thursday, tomorrow. First game uh, is February 8th, and then they play another game on Friday the 9th, and then two on Saturday, and then their big game to start the season after getting four games under their belt is against UCLA, number 8 UCLA, on Sunday. So looking at this Oklahoma State team, 
They made their fourth consecutive College World Series appearance last season and have been wildly successful under Coach G, Coach Kenny Gajewski, uh, who's entering his seventh season. But they did lose a lot. A lot of playmakers, especially with Kelly Maxwell going to OU. Uh, playmakers in the field, uh, playmakers at the plate that have graduated. Uh, but uh, they have got uh, some impressive portal talent uh, to go along with the Players that are staying, the team's going to be led pitching-wise by Lexi Kilfoyle, Kyra Acock, and then the third pitcher, one of the players I have my eye on, is the Liberty transfer, Caroline Wang, who is a two-time first-team All-A-Sun selection and won back-to-back A-Sun Player of the Year awards uh, coming in from Liberty. I'm really excited to see where they use her, how they use her, uh, and how she fits into this rotation along some of the other talent there. Uh, because just like last season, we were coming in with Kilfoyle and Maxwell. Acock stepped to the plate and was a great third option for the Cowgirls. Now, with Maxwell gone, it's Kilfoyle and Acock, and I've been wondering all offseason who will fill that third spot, and if it's Wang, that'll be great uh, coming into to this little five-game stint. So the Cowgirls begin the 2024 season with that standalone game against CSUN, and then they head to the Lynn Russell Miller Classic where they face... Portland State, Utah State, and UC Riverside. So four four games, one out of the Classic, and then three in the Classic before you take on UCLA to cap off the weekend. So they'll have four games to get the roster squared away, the rotation, what it looks like, and the batting order, what it looks like, who's going to be where in the field, uh, and who are going to be your, your clutch players that you're going to you know want to step up against a very important matchup very early in the season. UCLA, that number eight ranked UCLA team coming up the fifth game of the year, uh, game's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. That could really set the tone for this Cowboys season uh, to get underway. I mean, if you you have a really good showing, you start the season 5-0 and and you really handle things against UCLA, it's going to be a great confidence boost as you propel yourself into the rest of the season. So that will be a very important game. And, and you got four things to figure out, four games to figure things out uh, before you get into that game with UCLA on Sunday. So it'd be interesting to see how Coach Gajewski stacks the rotation because I think you would want Killfoil going into that game. But if you go Killfoil, Acock, and then Wang, and then Killfoil again, maybe you use Rosenberry against Riverside. So the extra day, because I got to think Killfoil gets to start for tomorrow's game against CSUN. And then Acock against Portland State, Wang against Utah State, or they may go Wang against Portland State and Acock against Utah State. And then who's going to start against UC Riverside? Maybe that's where you go Ivy Rosenberry or you go maybe a bullpen option and let, let a few players play that day. And then that gives Kilfoyle an extra day of rest and she's ready to go against UCLA. So going to be interesting because last year, and, and it works for softball because generally you play three-game slates for a weekend. And, and if you have three pitchers, you're normally in a really good spot for 
college softball. But being a little deeper in case someone has a night off is certainly useful. And I think the Cowgirls have some space there with Wayne coming in and then what Rosenberry did improvement-wise now in her uh, fourth year of being a senior. She was a junior last year. So uh, she progressed as the season went on and gives you a nice little depth option. Uh, you follow up. You get five days off after the UCLA game. Then you take on Georgia, Wisconsin, LSU, Northwestern, and Georgia Tech the following weekend uh, in the 2024 Shriners Children Clearwater Invitational. So uh, some really good games early in this season in the month of February. Uh, I love these uh, invitationals and classics early in the year. You, you're As a softball, you get to see a lot of fun matchups you may not see as the season goes along. Plus, you're seeing a bunch of different teams as opposed to you know one team, two, uh, or three times in a row. But then they'll get into Big 12 play as we get into March with the new four new teams. It'll be interesting to see uh, how that breaks down with... Uh, you know some of those matchups that you you normally wouldn't see, but they do end their season with OU and with Maxwell there now. Plus, you know OU being one of the best teams or the best team in college softball, ending your season, which hopefully for both teams is uh, both high-ranking teams. Uh, last year, I thought you know middle of March. April, before you got really got into Big 12 play, I was like, okay, this is 1-2 and two for the end of the year. And then the Cowgirls fell apart in the middle of their season. They picked it up a little bit, were able to get back to the World Series, but just didn't look great. I, I felt a lot of it was mismanagement by Gajewski. I think this team is good. They're not as good as the teams the last two years, but certainly plenty of talented, especially with the transfers they've got. I'm also really interested to see who fills all those shoes they lost in the field and at the plate, uh, but I, I am excited about a lot of players for the Cowgirls, and I think Lexi Kilfoyle and Kyra Acock are one and two as far as who I'm the most excited to see. So the season gets underway soon, and uh, I am definitely looking forward to uh, some softball with the way basketball has gone. Uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, Oklahoma State baseball season starts. They start their year against Sam Houston State. And then some uh, news from football land. Uh, one of their commits for uh, one of the prospects has been updated to a four-star. So Oklahoma State Trey Griffiths moves to a four-star. So that's nice little added uh, improvement to the recruiting. And then they land a transfer as well. Virginia Tech uh, transfer uh, Dwayne Lofton has transferred to Oklahoma State. So add uh, some more depth to an already great receiving room uh, for the Cowboys. So so that's some news from the Gridiron and uh, Oklahoma State. I saw somewhere on well on Twitter that they're one of the top five teams as far as returning players. So uh, expectations will be high for Oklahoma State football uh, coming into the 2024 season as expectations are always high here on the Pokes Podcast, which is part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network.